Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. As we celebrate the Christmas season, we are so glad that you've joined us. This is one of our favorite times of the year, and we love getting to share it with you. If you're listening to Milestone Church for the first time, we want to encourage you to check out one of our best series this year. If you find yourself with extra time, maybe traveling for winter vacation, we'd highly recommend checking out our fall series called Live Well. The Live Well series will help equip you to live well through the challenges we all face in life. And now, on to this week's message. All right, Merry Christmas, church. Feliz Navidad. Ain't that right? Uh, Welcome everybody watching online. We're so glad that you tuned in. It's Christmas time here, and uh, I can't believe that uh, it's already here. In fact, um, when I was a kid, they used to tell us, you know, as you get older, Time what? Time flies by. And I never believed it, but man, time really flies by, right? All the older people said, amen. When I was younger, it seemed like it took forever for three things to come around every single year. The first and probably the most important was summer break. Like we were ready to get out of school and just kind of run the roads, get on our bikes and just go do whatever. The, the other two things were your birthday every year. It seemed like it took forever that, for that to come around. And then Christmas time. And uh, we, we, we loved our birthdays and, and Christmases because, uh, let's just face it, we like opening presents. That, that's what that was all about for us as kids. And birthdays for us was awesome because I got a brand new bike every birthday. It was great because we were looking forward to that present, man. We were looking forward to that gift because we were so hard on our bikes every single year. We thought we were evil Knievel. We'd build all these ramps. They'd last about six months. And then we'd have to be you know, relegated to go taking our neighbor's bike and messing theirs up too. And so we were looking forward to that, that bike we'd get on our birthday. But Christmas, it was hit or miss. <laughs> Christmas was a lottery system. I remember 1985 as a kid, greatest Christmas gift I ever received. I mean, we opened it, and when I saw what it was, I lost my mind. It was a brand new Nintendo original game system. Come on, somebody. We upgraded from Atari, you know, Pong, right there to the Nintendo Super Mario Brothers. It was awesome. But there were two Christmases in a row where I got the absolute worst possible gift a kid could ever get. I mean, we love our grandparents, but I don't know what my grandmother was thinking, but she got me and my two brothers two years in a row, soap on a rope, and some hand-knitted socks. I don't know what was going through her mind when she was rolling through Eckerd's, not not Walgreens or CVS, K&B, she was rolling through Eckerd's and she thought in that little Stetson box with that little engraved cowboy and horse on that so that would be a great gift. Like we smelled good for, for about, you know, uh, two weeks. But that was a gift that I just still, I don't understand to this day. Maybe you're here because uh, one of uh, your, your grandchildren or children were a part of uh, the choir that we just saw. You know, in this time of year, um, there's, there's a lot of choirs and, and things that our, our kids are involved in. Another uh, thing, if you've had kids and 
and uh, maybe when they were younger, uh, or if, if they're young now, you know, you've maybe gone to a nativity play or where their school put that on. And, and you're just hoping, you know, because they're going to dress up and they're going to dress up like a farm animal, you know, maybe a sheep, you know, or something like that. Maybe a wise man, they're going to dress like one of the wise men or maybe Mary or, or, or Joseph or an angel or something like that. And so you're, you're just hoping, you know, that, that you get the right picture, that, that you get the right moment. But you're really in the back of your mind, what you're hoping is they don't embarrass you. You know what I'm saying? Like one mom who was so embarrassed because um, her daughter uh, decided, you know, that she, she was playing the angel, you know, Gabriel, and she just decided that she was gonna, she was gonna get baby Jesus, and she had been scheming all morning long how she just ripped baby Jesus out of Mary's hands, and mom was just like terrified, you know, and I, I went and I found this story of a lady named Catherine, and uh, she had an experience uh, that she would like to forget, but anticipating the next upcoming nativity season. She says, last year, my little boy, he was a wise man in the preschool nativity, but his gift, it didn't make it to Jesus because he decided to unwrap it himself. <laughs> then he, he tried to mug angel, uh, the angel Gabriel, because he wanted her wand. And to top it all off, he didn't want to be in the photo. And so at the end, he turned his back to the camera with all the other children, and they posed so sweet that she goes, I'm looking so forward to this Christmas. We're going to look this morning at the real Christmas story. And we're going to look in Matthew chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in there this morning. And we're going to particularly look at the wise men. And we're going to look at how they encountered Jesus on that, that time when he was born and, and what was their response? And uh, we're gonna read out of the NIV this morning. Before I do so, I want us to just pray real quick and ask that the God would open up his word to us and speak to us this morning. Father, we, we come to you this morning, and Lord, we ask that by your power, God, that you would help us to understand and receive the timeless truth of your word, God. It's more than just words, God. It's, it's spirit and truth. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem, and they asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. Of course he was disturbed. He was afraid of losing his throne. And all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written, speaking of the prophet Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler, one who will shepherd my people, Israel. We see right here in, in, in one of the prophecies about Jesus that not only was he going to be the ruler, but he was going to be the great shepherd. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me that I may go and that I may worship him. We know that was a lie. 
Because we know Herod, what he did was he started killing all the firstborn babies. And so he was just trying to, you know, find out exactly where Jesus was. And after they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose ahead of them went until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. As one kid said, they gave him gold, Frankenstein, and myrrh. <laughs> and having been warned in a dream to go back, not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another way or another route. And I, I love the end of this story because I think it's a picture of the gospel. Here, these wise men, these magi, they come to Jesus their own way, but they leave through another way, another route. And, and I think that's really what the gospel is all about. It's about you and I can come to Jesus, especially in a, in a season like this, we can come to Jesus and experience the gospel, the goodness of who he is, and we can leave another way. We don't have to leave the same way. If you're here today, and, and maybe there's things in your life that you wanna change, Maybe there's things in your marriage that you want to you change. Maybe there's something that you want to overcome. You can come to Jesus and you can come to him one way, but you can leave another way. I believe that's what's going to happen uh, as, as people, thousands of people are going to come through these doors uh, over the course of, of those few days for the uh, Christmas candlelight services. I believe people are really going to experience Jesus in a powerful way, but I believe that they're going to leave differently. I, I don't know about you, but as this year is coming to an end, I'm looking already towards next year and I'm looking towards maybe things in my own life that I'm like, Lord, this area of my life, I, I really want to overcome that. Or, or Lord, I, I'm believing that the second half of my ministry career, I've been uh, 20 something years in student ministry and, and have the opportunity to do all kinds of things. But now as I've moved into a, more of an oversight role and, and more of a coaching role and, and, and the lie of the enemy would be that you're, you're the, the most fruitful season of your ministry time is, is in the past. And I don't believe that's the case. I believe that there's vision for more. I believe that there's more that God wants to do. And so I'm looking forward to those three days that we have every single uh, year in January. We call it prepare. Well, we fast and we pray and we seek God. What are, what are we doing? We're putting aside distractions. We're focusing on God so that we can have an encounter with his presence and his goodness so that we can leave another way. If you haven't been involved in that, let me encourage you at the start of the year, what an awesome way to, to jumpstart your year is just to set aside some time to go, God, I'm gonna meet with you because I wanna leave another way. I want us to look this morning at three simple lessons from these wise men. I've entitled this message, Wise Men, Wise Lessons. And the first lesson I see that you and I can look at and, and, and take uh, a reference and, and a part of our life is number one, that they bowed down. In other words, they took on a spirit of humility. Verse 11 says, as they saw the child with his mother, they bowed down. I, I, I don't know if you realize this, but probably most of the problems in life could be solved if we just walked in a spirit of humility. In fact, I would even go further to say that most of the problems that occur in our own lives 
or because of a spirit of pride. I know in my life, like early on, I didn't want to listen to anyone. I, I didn't want anybody correcting me. I didn't want anyone coaching me. In fact, I, I thought I was all that in a bag of chips. Problem is you open up the bag of chips and it's a whole lot of air and just a couple chips. Maybe that's what my, my problem was, but God loves humility. In fact, humility moves the heart of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter five, it says to clothe ourselves with humility towards one another. I, I believe the greatest way that you and I can display a spirit of humility is how we treat and we relate to one another. It says, but close yourselves in humility. God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Another uh, scripture says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might what? He might exalt you in due time. The way to go up in the kingdom of God is to go down, is to bow down, is to say, God, you are high and lifted up, not me, I'm gonna bow down. And that's what these wise men did. These, were, these wise men were big timers. These were men of significant accomplishment. These were, were men of, uh, of just reputation and prestige. And here they come and when they see baby Jesus, they didn't like proclaim all of their accomplishments. They didn't bring out their credentials. The Bible says that they bowed down and they humbled themselves before God. Rick Warren in, in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, it's a, a bestseller. He says this about, about humility. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's not about beating yourself up. It's not about you know, saying how terrible you are. That's not a spirit of humility. He says, humility is actually thinking of yourself less. It's about putting other people first. I was preaching many years ago uh, on a message about humility uh, to students. And man, at the end, you know, praying for kids and stuff. And that's what I love about student ministry because you can just get raw in there and it doesn't really matter, you know, and everybody's crying and it's awesome. And you preach and they're like, go pastor. It's like, man, I feel like a million bucks. And all of a sudden, this one kid comes to me at the end and he goes, Pastor, I just want to let you know it was a great message. He goes, I, I just want to tell you, I'm probably one of the most humble people you'll ever meet in your life. I said, I don't think that's how it works, buddy. I don't think you could call yourself humble. I think you have to allow other people to do that. How, how, do, we, how do we apply this to our life? Because I think the lie of the enemy sometimes is this. In order to really be used by God, in order to really see fruit in our Christian walk, then, then I gotta be a professional Christian. Or I, I, I gotta know it all. Or I, I gotta have a bunch of scriptures memorized. And most people, they, they shy away from that because they know like, man, I, I don't measure up. I mean, I don't even know if what I'm saying is kind of accurate. I love God and I, I wanna help people. But I, I think about Casey and Doug Castleberry. I, I think about the impact that, that husband and wife is having on a group of high school players at Northwest High School. In fact, last weekend, we baptized 70 people uh, in the baptismal tank right here. And, and a lot of those people that were baptized were football players from Northwest High School. And, and here's how it started off, is that uh, Doug and Casey have a, a freshman son, or had a freshman son at the time, and wanted him to be around some positive influences and so uh, they started you know what do we need to do and she really encouraged him she said we need to start a bible study at the house and he says say what 
Bible study? We need it. And so like, I, I, he, he's like, I don't really know. I mean, maybe let's pray about it. And they just said, you know what? We really feel like this is what God wants us to do. We don't know if any kids are going to show up. We don't know what's going to happen. And so we're just going to step out and we're just going to say, God, okay, we're putting this out there. Um, Lord, would you just show up in a, in a, in a powerful way? And I'm sure they were, were, were happy with the first night, about seven, eight kids showed up. They thought this is amazing. But week after week, as they just began to open their home and had to rearrange their furniture, all of a sudden it went from seven, eight kids to about 40 or 50 kids. And then they were busting these kids to elevate every week and these kids were encountering Jesus. Kids were getting saved. And, and let me just tell you something. Yeah, you can give yourself a hand because you guys are a part of that as well. They come and they're members of this church and they sit under the word every single week and they're encouraged and they hear stories and they're like, man, I, just want, I don't want to just hear a story. I want to be a part of a story. And they stepped out. That could be you. That could be somebody in this room that maybe God's been speaking to you about stepping out and starting something. If you just take the humble approach, the humble route, like Casey and, and like Coach Doug, and just say, you know what, God? I, I, I'm not a big timer. I don't have all the answers. I love you. You use people. Lord, will you use me? And you step out in faith. I promise you, God will show up and move on your behalf. The second thing that I see in this story, the second lesson is not only number one, did they bow down, they took on a spirit of humility, but number two, they worshiped, they took on a spirit of worship. It took on a spirit of worship. Why is worship so powerful? I don't know if you guys realize this or not. Sometimes I have to remind myself, God does not need to be worshiped. What does he get out of us worshiping him? Really, worship is for us. I need to put him above everything. I need to worship him. I need to lift him up. Why? Because I, a lot of times, and you are like me, we magnify our problems instead of magnifying our God. Worship is not for God. Worship is for us. It's to position God in our hearts the, the way he needs to be positioned. And, and worship often precedes breakthrough. What I love about this story, and I find so fascinating, is that here they come and they follow the star. And they show up to Bethlehem and there is Mary, and there is Joseph, and there is baby Jesus. And they show up and they bow down, they go low, they recognize that he's worthy and they're not. They bow down, they put their accomplishments aside, and the Bible says they begin to worship him. They begin to worship him. Think about this, Jesus had not died on the cross yet. He had not multiplied and fed the, the fish and the loaves to the 5,000. He had not raised Lazarus from the dead. There was not one thing other than being born that he had done, but what they were saying is, before you ever do one thing, I'm gonna stop and pause, and I'm gonna worship you, God, because you're worthy. I want to be like that. I want to be like those wise men and say, God, it's not after the breakthrough happens. It's not after the miracle. It's not after the person I love that's away from you and then I'm going to stop. It's not after the promotion and then I'm going to worship God. It's before the breakthrough. It's before the healing, God. It's before the miracle. I'm going to stand and God, you don't have to do a single thing for me the rest of my life. The cross was enough. I'm going to worship you, God, because you're worthy. We promise you, if we take that posture and we begin to worship God, you will see things in your life radically change. Now listen, 
It's not like you just worship God and all of a sudden your circumstances are just automatically are different. They might not change one bit, but you know what'll change? Your perspective, your heart, the way you face that problem. You won't face it with fear and anxiety. You'll face it with courage and you'll face it with faith. When you begin to worship God, you're saying, God, you're big. God, if Lord, it's not here, God, you can create it, you can make it, you uphold all things. And when we worship, we're putting God where he needs to be at first place and God is able to move and do great things in our life. The third thing I see from these wise men is they opened up their treasures and they gave. In other words, they took on a spirit of generosity. So they took on a spirit of generosity. The Bible says that they gave three things. They gave, number one, they gave gold. And gold speaks of royalty. Gold speaks of a king. And what they were saying right there is that not only are you a baby, we're recognizing right here from the get-go, right when you enter world, you're all God and all man. And so we're here and we're saying that you're king of kings and lord of lords. They gave them gold. They also gave them, number two, they gave them frankincense. And frankincense was uh, uh, an incense or uh, something that the high priest oftentimes would, would burn. And they would burn this and, and, and the incense would go up before God. And, and so they were saying right at the moment, we recognize not only are you king of kings, not only are you Lord of lords, but you are our high priest. In other words, you are the one who helps us bridge the gap from where we are in our sinful state to where God is in holiness. Because there's no way you and I can cross that chasm. It takes Jesus, the Son of God, who builds a bridge so that we can have a relationship with God. He is the great bridge gapper. And then finally they gave him myrrh. They gave him myrrh and this was uh, uh, something that was used as an ingredient in embalming of the dead. When they, someone would die, it was part of the preparation. And, and what they were saying from, from the very get-go was, you're king of kings, you're lord of lords. You're a high priest, you're the one who bridges the gap. And from the very moment you were born, it was with a purpose. And that purpose was to die and to go to the cross and be resurrected from the dead so that we could have new life. Amen? Amen. Wouldn't it be awesome this Christmas if like the person sitting to your right or to your left just gave you their credit card and just said, hey, Christmas is on me this year. Go and buy your family. You'd be like, come on, somebody, we're going to Disney World. Surprise trip. You look at your bride and you'd be like, eight gifts, baby. I'm blessing you big time. Wouldn't it be awesome if that offering bucket was passed around if you could tithe out of somebody else's account? You could give to the building program out of somebody else's account. You'd be like, come on, Pastor Jeff, let's build that building over there. In fact, let's plant 10 churches. I'm feeling generous. It don't work that way, does it? The Bible says it was out of their treasure that they gave of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Why is that important? Because the Bible says that our treasure is tied to what? It's tied to our heart, right? The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, we speak, but also we give. Where our treasure is, our heart is also. They were showing God. They were showing Jesus right off the bat their heart. It wasn't about lip service. It was about our heart. Here's gifts we're giving to you. We're bowing down. We're worshiping you, and we're showing you our heart. 
I think it was easy for them to do that because here's what they realized. God opened up the treasure box of heaven and he gave the greatest gift that has ever been given to mankind. He gave the one and only, he gave his son to die so that you and I could spend eternal life, not separated from him, but in relationship with him. When you understand the gift that you've been given this Christmas, when you understand that, man, he, he bridged the gap. It's, it's the blood of Jesus that makes me righteous, not my works. I don't have to stop doing this, start doing that, memorize a bunch of scriptures, start going. I, I don't have to clean myself up. I come just as I am and I receive the free gift because it's his blood that makes me worthy and that's the only thing that makes me worthy. Wow, how easy is it to lay down our treasures before God? It's so easy. People who want to hold on to stuff all the time is because they don't understand that we serve a God who is unlimited. We serve a God where, like, his bucket doesn't have a hole in it in heaven. Like, like it's not where he can, he can bless two or three on this side and maybe one or two, but he can't bless everybody and give everybody their heart's desires or what they're believing for because heaven's going to run out. That's not the way our God is. Right? He has and an su amazing supply, more than enough. He's in fact the God of more than enough. And when you understand that, you just, you lay it down. I, I, I think one of the greatest things that, that you and I can do this Christmas season is we can bow down, we can humble ourselves. In fact, we can slow down. Because if we're not caref careful, here's what'll happen. You and I will fly through this season and we'll miss Christ in Christmas. We'll miss what this season is really all about. In fact, I wanna challenge you next time you, you see a nativity scene, next time you go to a play or, or this Christmas and, and maybe you see you know, one of your kids or uh, a grandchild uh, in a pageant, uh, a nativity pageant, instead of just seeing them dressed up cute and singing some songs, what about we stop and we recognize that that baby in the manger was really born to die for the sins of mankind? What if when we go to our homes this afternoon or we walk out into the commons and there's Christmas trees out there, instead of just seeing a tree with lights on it with some ornaments, what if it reminded us that our Savior died on a wooden cross for our sins? What if the next time that you get that big, you know, knotted up, you know, strand of lights out of the attic and you start trying to figure out, you know, do the lights work or not and you plug them in and most of the time they don't all work what if we reminded ourselves that the strands on that light, the bulbs may be broken, but the light of the gospel never grows dim? What, what, what if next time somebody hands you a candy cane and instead of just thinking, oh, okay, cool, what if you looked at it and what if it reminded you about the stripes that our Lord and Savior bear on his back and what that means for us that by his stripes we're healed? What if it reminded you and I this Christmas as you look at that red and white that the Bible says, as though your sins may be red as scarlet, he will wash them as white as snow. And what if we looked at that and we understand that it's a shepherd's crook, that he reminds, that he, he guides us and he leads us, but when we turn it upside down, come on somebody, it's a big old J for Jesus. <laughs> he is the reason for the season. And if we're not careful, we'll just fly right through this season and we'll miss him. But I believe one of the greatest things that we could do is help other people be, be reconciled to Christ. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter five, 
It lays it out for us. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone. The new is here. All this is from who? It's from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. If you call yourself a believer, if you're watching this message online and you say, I'm a believer, I, I put my hope and my faith and my trust in Jesus, and I want you to know and I want everyone else to know here is that you're in the ministry. God's given you and I the ministry of reconciliation. It's not the ministry of having all the answers. It's the ministry of having his heart and walking around going, who should I share the love of God with? And better yet, who should I invite, especially in a season like Christmas, when so many people that would never really normally step foot in a church at least they feel obligated to come to church, come on with their family. And so they're gonna come anyway. And I think about, you know, maybe uh, someone who's far away from God this Christmas. In fact, I think about my own life, and at 18 years old, I had a nervous breakdown, I had a mental breakdown when I was 18 years old. At 19 years old, I tried to end my own life because I really didn't think that life was really worth living. I, I was really plagued with depression and anxiety, and I felt like, man, there was this dark cloud over my life, and, and I, just, I, I just really, I had given up. And uh, you know, I had an encounter one night with Jesus while I tried to end my life at 19 years old. And the presence of God came into that room, and, I, and I'm telling you, it, it showed me real quick who God really was. It wasn't a man preaching, it wasn't a podcast I heard, it wasn't some testimony from someone else. It was, this was me in the most broken, darkest place that I've ever been in my life. And the Spirit of God, Jesus himself, walks in. And I knew exactly who it was when he showed up. I didn't see him, but I felt his presence. Listen, when the real Jesus shows up, he needs no introduction. And I recognize that 19 years old, God is not distant and far away. I recognize that I have believed a lie that God was holding my sins against me, hanging them over my head, saying, come on, Tyron, get it together. You know the truth. Why are you acting like that? Why are you still doing that? But I didn't realize that he was a loving father and his arms were open. And man, I had that encounter, but you know what? It wasn't just the encounter I had because there was a person who, who invited me into their house they saw themselves as a minister of reconciliation and they, they invited me into their house and they opened the Bible. And for the first time, I actually heard the gospel for what it truly is. And I sat there for a few hours and, and I listened to this woman tell me about how much Jesus loved me. And then about two days later, they invited me to church and I gave my life to Jesus. Who would have thought for the last 20 something years that a young man broken, hurting, on the edge of wanting to take my own life from a very, very small but very, very proud town in South Louisiana would have the opportunity to be a minister of reconciliation for thousands and thousands of people all over the world.
I'm not the most talented. I'm not the most well-spoken. I don't have it all together. In fact, most of the time I even wonder, Lord, how is it that you allow me to do what I do? It's because I said yes, like Doug and Casey. Maybe like some of you that are here just say, you know what? I'm gonna say yes, and I'm gonna invite my neighbor. I'm gonna invite that person at the gym that I talk to all the time. I'm gonna invite someone to, in fact, I'm gonna go a step further. I'm not just gonna invite them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet them and I'm gonna bring them to church and they're gonna come. Because here's what I believe, there's, there's, a, there's a young 19, 20 year old tyrant that's gonna walk into this church over the next few services we have over the next week and they're gonna come through these doors and they're gonna feel exactly what I felt. They're gonna come to Jesus one way, but here's what I believe, they're gonna leave another. There, there, there's a marriage out there that's on the brink of divorce and they're really giving it up in, in their own hearts and maybe they hadn't said anything to anyone yet. They're, they're coexisting, but they're really living two, two different lives. And I believe that somebody in this church is gonna invite that neighbor and they're gonna come through these doors and they're not gonna talk to each other on the way to church. In fact, they're probably gonna argue on the way to church, but something's gonna happen in that, in that Christmas candlelight service where the presence of God is gonna do something in their heart that nothing else on this planet can do. And I believe God is gonna restore that marriage. Listen, that's not just preacher talk. I believe that's possible. I believe the greatest life any person could ever live is a life reconciled to Jesus. And praise God that we don't have to sit on the sidelines, that he invites us into his mission and something as simple and seemingly insignificant as inviting someone to a Christmas candlelight service can have an eternal impact on their souls. Let's pray for all those who are gonna be here, um, not only at Milestone, but churches all over the globe. They're gonna be coming to a moment like that, and I believe that they're gonna go come one way, but they're gonna leave another. Father, we pray this morning. And God, we thank you, Lord, that the message of the gospel, there is still power in that message, God. Lord, we thank you that there is still restoring power to your truth, God. And Lord, we ask, for every person that's gonna come through these doors and, and Haslett and McKinney, God, and Lord, even churches all around this city, this area, and all over the world, people are gonna come to a moment, maybe it's a traditional moment for them. Maybe it's a moment out of obligation that they're gonna come because someone invited them or they feel like they're expected to, but Lord, I pray that something would happen. That God, they would come to you one way, God, but they would experience your grace and your forgiveness and your presence, God, and they would leave another. Lord, I pray for all of us who are gonna be inviting people over the next few days. Give us the strength and the encouragement, God, to be able to do that. And Lord, open up hearts to receive that invitation in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.